Welcome back to 5050 Films. I'm Autumn. And I'm Peter. And this is part five of seven parts of us was- watching Oscar nominees of some sort. <laughs> yeah, seven parts. Last year we had five, but we only watched Best Pictures because we kind of decided to do it a little, a little late. bit late. Yeah. Plus, I think we took a break. Oh, we had a couple break weeks, yeah. Too. Um, but this year, we're going all in. Um, we do have two Best Picture nominees for you today. Um, we have no, no. two left. Yes, we do. Oh, no, we don't. <laughs> we will next week. We have one for you today, plus one of our additional five. Next week, we'll finish off Best Pictures with the last two. Yeah. Um, and we might be changing off our changing up our list for our plus five. Um, just depending on if we do gain access to living or we might go see Puss in Boots in the theater uh, instead since it's a little bit more accessible before the Oscars. But they are coming up. We are recording this on February 26th. Oscar night is March 12th. Mm-hmm. So we are running out of time, but we are also making good progress. We're right on schedule. Yes, we are. So Peter was right. We did not watch two Best Picture nominees. We watched... One Best Picture nominee, which is the second movie we'll talk about today. We also watched what? Causeway. Do you want to tell them a little bit about it? Sure, because that means you'll have to explain the next one. Um, <laughs> uh, so Causeway um, is a film about um, the main character is Jennifer Lawrence, played by Jennifer Lawrence, Lindsay, right? Um, she's in the Army Corps of Engineers. There was an IED explosion, which we don't see at any point, um, in Afghanistan, um, which kind of dates the movie, actually, a little bit, because we pulled out of Afghanistan a couple years ago. So the fact that they chose Afghanistan as their set piece means that the movie was set several years ago, which is a little strange. Um, but that's what they did. Uh, so... Um, she's, she, we, we, like, first see her, she gets picked up by this older lady who we find out is, like, a caregiver for people who are recuperating from any kind of, like, brain damage or mental trauma or anything like that. So, she has, she has brain damage. Um, like a brain injury. Uh, and we see her sort of recover from that, and then she moves back home to New Orleans um, where like she gets a job cleaning pools um, and then her car breaks down she goes to the shop uh, and meets uh, James played by Brian Tyree Henry um, who's I mean he's just he's also lived there like his whole life Uh, he's got some trauma too Um, he was in a car accident on the causeway um which is the massive long road across Lake Pontchartrain in Louisiana. Um, and his nephew died. Mm-hmm. Um, and his sister doesn't really forgive him for that. Or we're, we're led to believe she either doesn't forgive him for that or just she just can't. she she had to let she had to leave town. Like she couldn't be there anymore after her son died. Um, I don't think he ever necessarily says that she, like, doesn't forgive him, but the fact that they... It feels implied. Yeah, it's, like, implied. Um, so they, they, like, 
become friends. Um, we see them do so. This is a very short movie. It's only an hour and a half long. You know, so they're, they're just, they do pretty normal stuff together, kind of hang out. We find out pretty early on that Lindsay is a lesbian, um, so that there, there shouldn't be any, you know, love interest in the film. Um, and then later on, as we go, we, we learn how, like, verbally supportive, but at the same time, mentally just sort of not there, her mother is. Um, like, she has all these good ideas and clearly, like, loves her daughter, but also is a type of person who who forgets things constantly and doesn't follow through on stuff. Um, So she's, like, not there for her, really, ever. Um, And then there's, you know, there's a a scene towards the end, like, she's doing this pool gig, and I guess this one house, while she she is routinely cleaning their pool, they are out of town for a while, um, and so they end up uh, sleeping in the pool, yeah, swimming in the pool a little bit, um... James lost his leg because of the car accident. Um, so that's sort of played for laughs just a little bit and also very serious. Um, and they they talk in the lake about his accident and what happened to her specifically. Um, and uh, well, a little bit of what happened to her. Not because she tells... she The other person she really tells her full story to is her neurologist. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is... Uh, you know, he's... He, he, they talk about it, and she kind of, like, he, he's, like, clearly very down, and, like, in the emotional moment, she kisses him, and then it, that the whole fucks everything up, and he gets mad at her, and, like, they fight a little bit. Because and, she tells him she just did it because yeah, she felt, she felt so bad, bad for him. Yeah, she felt bad for him, which, I mean, probably was, the way the way her face is, it, it seems as if, she, she did this earlier in the movie, she said something kind of bluntly um, that, uh kind of slipped out right um i feel like she meant to say something to the effect of like i I just got caught up in the emotion of the moment but instead it was i feel so bad for you yeah because of the brain injury yeah she has a foot in mouth sort of thing that she does a couple times in the movie um so i'm pretty sure that's that's what happened um she like meant to say you know the other thing uh, and it really, it hurts his feelings really bad. Um, and they, you know, they don't talk. And she has a couple, you know, we see life sort of continue on for her a little bit. Um, at, before then, he had invited her to, like, live in his house as, like, a roommate. Because he needs somebody to do stuff with. They were drunk. Um, he's, and it's just not, not in, like, a sexual way, but in, like, a, like, I, you know, have coffee in the morning together, smoke at night. Um, and cook together sometimes. Cook together sometimes. You know, he just needs a buddy. That's so right? wholesome. Needs a friend. Um, and yeah, they she but she like throughout the movie wants desperately to leave, um, and then eventually, towards the end, she like brings a six pack to his house after he um, clearly shows that that he still like values her as a person. Mm-hmm. He doesn't charge her for the repairs he's doing on her truck. Um, and she shows up at his house with a six pack and they kind of apologize on the porch and she talks about how she, she, she says she wants to move in and then the movie ends. Um, I thought it was really good. You know, it was like this, this nice little like, you know, I like relationship slice of life sort we of thing. We don't get enough friendship yeah, stories. Friendship stories. Yeah. I agree. And I just loved that. 
And and I said something to Peter early on because she does. There's a scene where they go out to get burgers, and this guy hits on her. Literally, she's sitting at the table with James, and this guy comes up and is like hitting on her, which the nerve of that guy because she's sitting there with another guy at that moment, but whatever. Um, and is trying to you know whatever. So then. James calls Lindsay his girl to try and get that guy to back off, and Lindsay says she has a boyfriend and this whole this whole thing. And then when they leave, Lindsay like tells him she's like, just so you know, like I don't have boyfriends, like I have girlfriends when I do have anybody. Like basically saying she she's single right now. But she's but she not doesn't, interested in that. Yeah. Which as soon as she said that I like looked at Peter and I was like, I that makes me so happy because I wanted this to be a friendship story. <laughs> and that, like, knowing that she would not be interested in him, kind of... And we do get that kiss moment, but it's not, like... It doesn't throw you off. Like, it's not, like, a romantic thing. You can tell it's very clearly, like, an impulsive sort of thing that happens on her end. Um, because she does just, like, feel so sorry to him and so close to him, and she doesn't know how to, like, show that emotion to him. Um, so it makes sense that she does kiss him, but you can tell it's, like, not a relationship, romantic relationship sort of kiss. Um, and I just, I loved their friendship. Mm -hmm. And they're both people who have been born and raised in Louisiana, in New Orleans, and we get this perspective of somebody who, like, desperately wanted to get out and and did leave and now has had to come back and then the other hand of someone who has literally been there their entire lives um and i thought that their that dynamic made their friendship more interesting too yeah yeah i, I mean i what did you think okay so the reason this isn't an is oscar nommed right is for Brian Tyree Henry's performance. I don't know if it has any other nominations. I don't know if it does. Um, but he is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yes. Um, for this film. Um, and if Ki Hui Kwan wasn't uh, in Best Supporting Actor, you know, position, I would I would be rooting for Brian Tyree Henry. I really like him. He's in Atlanta, a show the show we're watching right now. Um, and he's also in, he's in so Bullet much. Train. He's in Bullet Train. I he love was in Eternals. He was in a weird little movie, a kids movie I watched with my friend Gina called Vivo, which is animated. So he did the voice of someone. I yeah. don't even know who, but he's in a lot of, of fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think he's, he's got range. Like <laughs> he really does. Because this character, it was interesting to see, like, the character he plays in Atlanta and then this character in Causeway are both, like, urban guys, mm -hmm. you know? But they're still so different. And there's, like, a very clear distinction there, I feel like. But then on top of that, so, like, there's range within that little, like, subsection of characters. Yeah. But then he also plays Festus in Eternals, who is absolutely nothing like either of those characters and who he played so well. So it's just, it's very clear that he has quite a bit of range, which are my, my favorite types of actors are, are people who can, who don't get stuck in one sort of part. And I don't think there's any fear of that yeah. ever happening for Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. I think in, in, in Bullet Train, he plays a British guy. So oh, well, that is very different <laughs> from British, anything I've uh, seen. British assassin actually, I think with his, uh, 
with his brother, who's this, like, who, I forget who the actor is, but he's also very good, another British assassin guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were great. <sighs> this is the sort of movie that is my favorite type of book to read. I think I've said that for a few things before. And I feel like the slowness works better in a book for me. Slice of Life in general works better in book format for me. However, I would say that I feel like this movie was the perfect length for what it was doing. Yes. Like, if you are going to do something a little bit slower, a little more Slice of Life, like, I, I liked that hour and a half. I didn't feel like we yeah. were missing anything, um, but I also didn't get bored. This movie had the same pacing of Tar, but it was an hour shorter than Tar. <laughs> and because of that, it was a very good movie, and Tar was a very boring movie. I would you feel agree? Like, I feel like this one would have been better anyway. But... Well, yeah, but that's... I, I, okay, that's fair. It's not just the pacing that makes it a good movie. But do, would you but agree I that they have similar saying. pacing? Yes. Right? Like, it's there, there are some slow shots. There's some just, like, them doing everyday stuff, you yeah. know? I mean... Obviously, this doesn't have the problem that Tar had, where it was like, is it going to become a thriller at any yeah. point? And it never did. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I just thought I thought it was that was really good. I really liked the the that like the slowness of it, but in relation to the yeah, like you said, the timing is just perfect. Yeah, it worked out well. I I told Peter, and I I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I was still like kind of hopeful for it anyway. Um, because I have been to, uh, New Orleans and I was like, oh, maybe I'll recognize something. Cause I'm not, I'm not as well traveled as, <laughs> as Peter is. Um, and so that was, that's like the one major city I've been to. Yeah. I've never been to probably. Louisiana. I, and you've never been there. Yeah. So I was like, so excited. Like maybe I'll recognize something. But when I realized that they were, like, born and raised New Orleans, I was like, I'm not going to see anything I recognize because there's no way they're going to be hanging out, like, on Bourbon Street. Anywhere near Bourbon Street or uh, yeah. any of the, like, bumping parts of New Orleans. Or yeah. any of the, like, they weren't in the French Quarter at any point either, I don't think. No, they weren't. None of the catacombs. Because I was like there. The, you know. Yeah. So, oh well. Mausoleum stuff. I guess we'll have to there. watch some sort of bachelorette party movie or something to see that. There were so many bachelorette parties happening on I, Bourbon I, Street. I played, uh, I played, what was it? Infamous 2 is in a New Orleans-style town. It's not called New Orleans, though. It's called New Marais, but it is New Orleans because there were, of the tombs. It was very <laughs> New Orleans, though, in that, like, as you watched them walk what i remember the most about new orleans was how different all the buildings were uh-huh. like you'd have this like bright colorful new building next to like a very industrial old building next to like a very colorful spanish style building next to and they and it all seemed to work yeah and as they like kind of walk down the street in specific parts of this movie i was like yeah that that really fits what what the, i remember the houses that have the pillars and then the second level and then the pillars and then the roof you know what I mean? Like the the two yeah. the two tier like terraces on buildings. That's very that's a very New Orleans looking building to me. Yeah. You know that like I don't know why why that structure is like common down at the bottom of the Mississippi, but like you know. I feel like Brian Tyree Henry played 
New Orleans born and raised very well, yeah. too. Like, he had just a slight accent. It wasn't, like, crazy Cajun or anything perfect. like that. But it was pretty good. Jennifer Lawrence does not have a Cajun accent at all in this movie. I don't even know. I don't know if she tried at some point and they were like, don't do that. <laughs> or if she just was like, I'm not going to, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, but, but, I mean, I, but the, you know, there are people. That, that, that didn't, like, throw me out super hard because there are people who grow up in places that want to desperately leave so bad that they can kind of kick their accents out. Also, I feel like in big cities like that, there's so many people from so many different places that yeah. it's not super uncommon to not have the accent because if you, like, your grandparents aren't from there originally, then maybe the way they speak is what passed down yeah. to you. Um, it just becomes a big melting pot. Yeah. But yeah, it was good. I can see why it wasn't nominated for Best Picture, um, because it didn't have a ton to it. Um, but I really enjoyed the dynamic yeah. between the two of them. And also, after having watched Don't Look Up last year for our Oscars project, I was excited to see Jennifer Lawrence in something else, because I've <laughs> liked her in everything I've seen her in except for that, and I didn't want that to be my most recent memory. <laughs> yeah, of my God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get we'll get we'll see her again once we start one of the other X Men trilogies, because um, she's in the X Men trilogies. Uh, but yeah, so that's another mm. extra one down. Yep. Did you watch any movies by yourself? Why no? You didn't. Me either. No. But it is kind of a spring break goal of mine to, like, watch a couple on my own. Like, I would like to watch Bullet Train because you've already seen it. Uh-huh. Um, and my sister really loved it, and I've only heard good things about it. And I also want to maybe take some time to, like, re-watch some things I've only ever seen once. Like, I've just been itching to re-watch um, Always Be My Maybe, the Ellie Wong Randall Park <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, maybe I'll do that. Because it's not something I'm going to make us rewatch as part of the project. Um, so I feel like spring break by myself would, like, be a good time to do that. As far as TV together, we have watched Love Island. Yep. That's it. It's been a Love Island sort of vibe. It always is when it comes out. It, whenever Love Island comes out, we end up watching it more than we watch our other show we're watching. Plus, I feel like we're just very busy right now. Yeah. And when I'm busy, I just want to put that on because then I can also like be on my phone or think about other things. And Yeah, we're at, whereas I'm really not going to be on my phone when we, when we watch uh, Atlanta. I'll no. be on my phone the entire time we're watching Love Island. You know, it just doesn't matter. Um, let's see. Yeah, so that's the only thing we're watching together. Separately, I got myself caught up on Abbott Elementary. I'm at a point now where that's coming out once every week. Um, I am still watching the K-Drama Business Proposal with my friend Gina. Really loving that. It makes me cackle. Although, I feel like everything I watch with Gina makes me laugh really hard, so I don't Mm -hmm. know if we're just really good at picking shows or if we just... Just have more fun watching shows together. Um, and I wouldn't laugh that hard. I don't know. Um, let's see. I'd say that's true. What? Just in general, watching shows with your friends makes you laugh harder at them when they do stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, I've been watching Cheers, so I've been trying to at least watch a little bit of that at a time. And I did watch one episode of The Owl House, though I might call that quits, to be honest. 
Oh, you're looking at me now? Yeah, your turn. Um, I have continued my quest to watch, um, to keep up with all the anime that's coming out this season. Not all of it, God, God forbid. <laughs> uh, my friend Alex is keeping up with 19 different shows right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, apparently a lot, there's a lot of stuff this season that looked good to him, apparently. Um, I'm keeping up with four, uh, and I am I'm up to date with them. And at the same time, because now that I'm up to date, I don't I can't watch multiple in a row. Um, so I picked out, I like cherry picked another like twelve episode anime. I only have two episodes left of. Uh, it's called uh, I think it's Welcome to Leadale. Um, concept is that there's uh, there's this girl who um, she was on like. Hardcore life support um, to the point where she was basically a vegetable almost. Like she couldn't really do anything at all. Um, and this is one of those VR MMO RPG animes. So she has a VR headset that transports her into the world, the game that she's playing. Um, so that was like how she had a life basically um, because she was just she was just on life support. Um, and the idea was the idea behind the anime is that. Um, there was a power outage, and she died. Um, and now is in the game. So it's a, a seikai in that manner. And there are other people who have been transported to the game as well. Um, they're not sure how they got transported there. Um, whereas she's the only one who's pretty certain that she's she just died while she was, you know, in the game. Um, and so the world has advanced 200 years since the game was... The servers were live, and now... It's, everything's a little different, but there's some stuff that's still the same. Uh, and, uh, yeah, she's just, she's a, she was, like, super overpowered, like, game master level person. You know, they're always OP. That's just a thing. So, yeah, that's been relatively entertaining. Um, <clears throat> whenever I, when I finish it today, I'll, I'll start something else, and hopefully it'll be a little funnier. Uh, it, this is, it's not my favorite. I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10 on my anime list when I'm done. Yeah. Okay, and then moving on to books. I just finished my audiobook um, about an hour before recording this. I was reading The Deep by River Solomon. It was narrated by David Diggs of Hamilton fame. Uh, and it was a story about mermaids who were born of enslaved African women who were thrown off of slave trade vessels. Um, and I ended up giving it three stars. I really enjoyed the narration. It wasn't quite what I expected. And that's on me because if I hadn't had like as many expectations, maybe I would have liked it even more. For some reason, I really thought it was going to be something more along the lines of like these women lived and kind of became these mermaids, whereas it really was, you know, these mermaid creatures were born of the women and created their own society, um, and they carry this history that they then have to repeat to each other about the horrors um, that they've been through, and I, it was four hours. I'm glad I read it because I had been wanting to read it for a while, and I'm trying to be better about reading the things I actively have wanted to read. Um, but yeah, overall, just a three star for me. What was not a three star 
was the book I stayed up all night Friday night finishing, uh, which was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which I had about half left, maybe even a little bit more, on Friday night when I sat down to read around 9 p.m. and I just read until 1 in the morning when I finished it. Uh, Everyone loves that book. I would go as far as to say it might be the most hyped book on the internet. I read it for my book club and also as a buddy read with my sister. We pick out a couple a year that we both will read and then we have a Google Doc where we answer some fun questions and see what each other said. Um, And that book was everything I had heard it would be. It was really wonderful. Um, A lot of very morally gray characters. But what Taylor Jenkins Reid does so well in these stories in particular, because she had written some romance novels before these like literary fiction celebrity books she's more well known for now. What she does in these books is she just like, she creates these, first of all, people. They're not just characters, like they feel so real. But then the art that they do also feels so real. So like all of these films that it's described that Evelyn Hugo was a part of, they, they're described just enough that they feel so real. And for me, I read this book at the perfect time of year as someone who keeps up with the Academy Awards because so much of this book is her, her film career. And so what Oscars she won and which ones she lost and what she wore and who else was there. And it just was the perfect time for me to read it because I'm thinking about all of that stuff um, as we continue on this Oscars movie project. Uh, I felt so similarly about Daisy Jones and the Six, which I do feel like I like just a little bit more still. Um, but all of the songs that the band created felt so real. And that one is actually about to be a show. So one of the songs is real and, and hopefully all of them will be too. Um, <laughs> It just, I feel like that's such a talent of Taylor Jenkins Reads to be able to like create these fake movies and shows and songs and not have them sound cheesy. Like they, they feel very real. And this was one of those books where like I keep thinking like, oh, I want to finish that show I was watching or that movie I was watching and then remember it was that book and it's already done <laughs> because it just like felt so vivid in my mind. So anyway, five stars. Loved that. It's my third five star of the month. I read 10 books in February, which is the most I've read in a while. I think I did read nine in November of last year. Um, But yeah, 10 books in February and three were five stars. So I'm feeling very good about that, especially because my January reading month was just sort of meh. Now I'm reading Us Against You, which is the second Beartown novel by Frederick Bachman. I am about four chapters in, but I'm hoping to like sit down and read quite a bit more of that today. I'm physically reading that, even though I listened to the audiobook for the first one, because it was a lot easier to get my hands on a physical copy from the library than the audio. And I just started the audiobook for a book called Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows, which I almost picked out as my birthday book this year. Peter and I do this sort of family tradition where on our birthdays we pick one new book from Barnes and Noble uh, and put a little sticker in it that says what birthday we got it on. And I almost picked that one, but I didn't end up doing it. Um, So now I'm picking it up on audiobook. It is about a woman who is Indian living in Great Britain um, and is teaching English to these Punjabi widows. uh, And 
it kind of becomes this like romance writing course and i think it's supposed to have like a lot of girl power women empowerment sort of themes but um i am not very far into that at all so i can't say that with authority all right what are you reading um i can't remember if i talked about i think i talked about finishing the that one hitchhiker's Yes, you did. Okay, I haven't gotten any further. I read a decent bit through the uh, through the, the next and last Hitchhiker's book that I have access to. Um, I have, like, under 100 pages left. So I, it just we just need to get to a point where I'm, like, sitting, like, laying down and reading, and I have not had that opportunity this yeah. week. Uh, it has been, uh, we've been doing a bunch of stuff. And obviously I, I can't play, I can't read on... Fridays, I played D&D on Fridays, and then there's, like, we did stuff yesterday, the movie yesterday made, it was, like, too late by the time we were, like, done doing everything, and, yeah, so, I just need to get into it again. Today's the day. We're gonna get back into it. Yeah, I got, today, my plan, finish Halo Infinite, since it's now my turn, I'm talking about books, which I don't have anything in games. Yeah, move on to games. (laughs) Um, I'm finishing Halo Infinite. I am literally on the third phase of the last boss fight. I think it's the last boss fight. Um, or the last level, which I'm also, I'm actually pretty certain this is the last level as well. Um, doing that right now, uh, it's paused behind me. I can look back and see the pause screen. Uh, so I'll be finishing up that, and then I'll be doing the last two episodes of that show. And then I'll be finishing up the Hitchhiker's book. And those are my, like, goals for the day. Um, and if this is the seventh episode of Bo Fury comes out, I'll watch that too. And once I've done all of those, I'll feel like I've accomplished a couple things today. Um, and then I'll be starting Ready Player 2. Uh, I don't know if I'll have another game I'll jump into. I don't know if I have... Oh, oh. I could play a Batman game. Because I have, I, have, I have the Batman games. Um, so, and I've never played them. Uh, so, we'll see. We'll see. Next up this week was Triangle of Sadness, a movie that Peter wanted to get out of the way because we knew we'd like Causeway, or we we really felt like we'd like Causeway enough, um, and Peter expected to dislike this one, so we have been trying to not have weeks where we're watching two bad movies. I, I wouldn't say I expected to dislike this, I just knew it was going to be weird. I had read something with a description of absurdist. Um, and, uh, because of that, I was, I had, uh, middling expectations for it. I wasn't sure <laughs> if we were going to enjoy it or if we were going to, if it was just, it was going to be a challenging movie. Yeah. Is what I knew. This is a weird movie. Uh, it stars Carl and Yaya, who are dating, but also fight all the time. Um, Yaya is an influencer, so at the beginning beginning of the movie we find out that Carl is a male model and things aren't going as well for him. He's not making as much money. Yaya's doing great for herself. She's making a ton of money. There's like this whole thing about establishing gender roles whereas it's clear that Yaya expects him to pay for things even though she makes more money and um, so we the start of the movie is just kind of like a, a look into their relationship. But I- I have heard the beginning of this movie um, described as actually very indicative of the male modeling scene. Like, that has been praised. That, okay, that, that's like, interesting. That, that, like, bit at the beginning where he's doing the modeling, like, that is very much, like, this is... 
both a kind of an indictment and then also like just a you know that's like how it is apparently yeah. Um, but the, it feels like the movie really starts in part two. There, it's broken up into three parts. Part two is called The Cruise, and it is Yaya and Carl going on this luxury cruise that Yaya has gotten for free uh, through her work as an influencer. And it's a ton of just very wealthy people on this boat, full of a staff who have been told you must say yes to everything they say, even when it's ridiculous, um, which leads to one woman getting the entire staff to go for a swim, including the kitchen staff, which then makes the dinner go bad for the captain's dinner, which then causes a very long uh, series of shots of people throwing up and having diarrhea, and there's a bad storm outside, so then the diarrhea, like, leaves the toilet and starts going down the ship, and people are still throwing up, and oh my goodness, it was awful. Um, and people threw up in Causeway, too, actually. Uh, and I had my first, uh, student puking in the classroom situation this week, so I watched way too many people throwing up this week. Probably more than I ever had in, in one go in my entire life. Um, and then we get to the third part, which is the island, so some pirates, pirates. come, and shoot the ship and something explodes and what okay they do yeah and there's a hand grenade and whatever they blow up the ship um some people survive stop coughing while i'm talking sorry i'm sorry conveniently yo-yo and carl both make it onto this island um but then we have this new new matriarchal society created um, when only one of the staff members, Abigail, uh, is... Remotely is, competent. Yeah, is competent. And so she makes them do whatever she wants them to do, like she has been made to do for them on the cruise. Um, so she gets Carl to sleep with her, and she... Um, keeps all the food for herself, divvies it up based on, like, who's listening and who's not, those sorts of things. Uh, and then the movie ends with Yaya and Abigail discovering that there is a resort on the other side of the island. Abigail is saying, or Yaya is saying that when they get back, she'll, like, find work for Abigail. Uh, and it ends with this kind of, this scene ends with, um, Abigail kind of lifting up a rock, and we're not quite sure if she's gonna smash it on Yaya's head or not. Yeah, she's like got it in her hands, and then Yaya like makes the offer to give her an assistant, and we, and then it cuts to Carl just sprinting through the jungle. Yep, that's triangle of sadness, which. The triangle of sadness part comes from the very beginning, the male modeling scene. Um, the the people who are kind of conducting the interviews are saying something about Carl needs to like relax his triangle of sadness yeah. when he's making serious faces. So like his wrinkles on his forehead, or yeah. I, I assume that's what it I meant. I think it's this area right here. Yeah. That means nothing to them. Yeah, they read between your eyebrows. You know, <laughs> your triangle of sadness. Um, yeah. Well, do you think that Abigail killed Yaya? Maybe. I do. I feel like she was waiting for Yaya to... Because Yaya starts with, I want to help you. 
And I think she was waiting for Yaya to say, like, I will give you money for everything you've done. I will. I don't think she wanted Yaya to say, like, I will give you a job and you can continue to work below me. Yeah, as an assistant. I feel like, I feel like it would have been, it would have made more sense for, uh, for the Russian to pay her money. He's rich as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the other guy who I'm pretty sure, I mean, might maybe not, but I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be um, kind of a dig at the Minecraft guy. Um, was his name Janusz or Jarmo? Jarmo. Jarmo, I'm pretty sure, is supposed to be like a a Notch-esque character Um, because he talked about, he's like a tech sector guy who was like balls rich, you know. Mm -hmm. I sold him the code for this, you know. Um, I think it was, I think it was, it might have been a shallow reference to the Minecraft guy who's a piece of work, but, um, yeah, that was kind of neat. Um, oh yeah, they, they end up with a, a pirate, one of the, one of the people that comes ashore is a pirate who insists he works in the engine room, mm-hmm. right? And then eventually the Russian's like, so, say you were a pirate, and he's like, all right, say I was a pirate, and he's like, how much do you, what would you make a run? He's like, 3,000 euros a ship. <laughs> basically just like admits that he was one of the pirates yeah um okay there was one scene in this movie that I could tell made Autumn very uncomfortable and it was when they killed the donkey I cried yeah um it was very brutal I mean we don't see the donkey physically getting struck but we hear it and that I think was that was enough to set Autumn off like it was bad um, it was brutal. Someone at some point had told me that if we didn't like how the if I didn't like how the donkey di- that had like died in Banshees of Inisherin, I wouldn't like. There's another donkey scene in Dragon of Sadness. I don't know who told how me do that. How do we have two donkey deaths on a Best Picture list? What is wrong with these people in the Academy? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That actually, like, very much affected me to the point where I am starting to think about, like, changing the things I eat. Um, yeah. But we People don't usually eat horses or donkeys. No, though, but, like, so. like cows and pigs. We, yeah. We won't go there. But, yeah, that was, I cried. That was just, that, that sound was just yeah, it was, so sad. Yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, so that... This movie is trying to say a lot of things. It is. It is. But at the same time. <coughs> supposed to be satire. Yeah. says very little. <laughs> I yeah. feel like it was trying to say too much all at once. Like there's this whole like. I would have loved like just the gender roles or just the wealth disparity or I don't know. And I was so excited for Woody Harrelson to be in this movie. But like he hardly is. <laughs> He's not on the island. He, uh, he is on, on the boat. He's entertaining on the boat, and then he's gone after the boat. But first, the whole first half of the second part, they're trying to get him out of his room on the boat. So you don't even see him. You just hear him a little bit. Yep. Which I thought was funny. He makes friends with the Russian. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. The movie, it was just too weird for me, man. Like, Like, movies with a similar theme... Like, Parasite did wealth disparity, disparity so well. Mm-hmm. And it was such a good movie. Even with the crazy, like, slasher ending that it had. Yeah. Which is just, I think that's just a Korean thing. Um, but, uh, 
not every Korean movie, obviously, but like it was, it was clearly that was the director because the director yeah. did Train to Busan, I think. Um, <clears throat> but like, yeah, I just <laughs> this one was just it was just too weird um, and too long. Yeah. Not that two and a half hours is too long for a movie, but it was just too long for this movie. Yeah. Like, it just, it, it kind of did the opposite of what we were saying with Causeway, where it was like, Causeway was the perfect length for the type of story that it was. I feel like, I mean, I would have really appreciated, like, 40 minutes shaved off of this. Because there was a point where we, like, when we got to the third part... I was like, oh my gosh, there's still more? And Peter was like, yeah, there's 40 minutes. Yeah, we still like 40 and, minutes And ago. at that point, I was like ready to be done. <laughs> so I feel like if this had been like 40 minutes shorter, it would have been good. And we could have cut some things from the first part because it just didn't really become yeah that relevant. I mean, the, the male modeling scene was interesting. I wish it would have maybe been a little bit shorter. I wish it would have been about the male modeling scene just in general and that's that's what i'm saying is we like threw all these things out here but we didn't really focus on any of them yeah, the plot didn't I focus on anything like, yeah i would have loved this movie to be about gender roles mm-hmm. because it made a lot of like really interesting commentary on those things and i feel like a male model is a good like main character for that sort of plot line too because you could kind of talk about because they're talking about like in this industry like women make more you know and which makes it so much more interesting um if if the movie were to be primarily about gender roles and i just i loved i it was too again this this part was too long but i liked the scene at dinner where he's waiting for Yaya to pick up the check. Oh, yeah, that was masterfully acted. And we later learn that she had told him she would pay. But mm-hmm. at the beginning, all we see is, like, he's kind of waiting for her to pick it up. She's not picking it up. He, like, kind of flicks it a little bit. And she's like, oh, thanks, honey. Cause she And she later admits she was being manipulative that whole time. Um, but we later learn that she had told him the night before, like, oh, I'll get dinner next time. And then she just, like, conveniently forgets. Because she feels like he should pay because he's the man. Even though they both know she makes more money than him. And she told him she would pay. So all of that was, was so interesting yeah. to me. Yeah, I, honestly, I think that this movie was, like... So th- this is... It's like three short films, like, you know, tack with, with like the common plot thread of these two people. Yeah, basically. Right? Like, uh, I, and I, so the director is Swedish, and this is a European movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm pretty sure that, like, oh, that definitely has something to do with some of the absurd parts of the movie. Um, but yeah, I would have, I would have preferred. Any of those three, like, short films to just have been the whole film, like we said. Yeah. Um, also, um, it felt kind of like a Wes Anderson movie, um, in but without the charm that a Wes Anderson movie would have, right? You know what I mean? Like, it, was, it wasn't... There are goofier elements in a Wes Anderson movie that are, like, chuckle-worthy. Yeah. Whereas there was some funny stuff in this one. Like, when the arms dealer old elderly couple gets blown up by one of their own grenades. Like, that's hilarious. 
Um, you don't see it, obviously, which is what makes it funny. Right. It's, yeah, it's, the old lady picks it up. She's like, oh, I think this is one of ours. And he goes, oh! Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then it, like, cuts out to, like, the way, like the yeah. faraway view of the ship, and then poof, you see yeah. a little puff where the grenade goes off. Um, like, that was Wes Anderson-esque, but there wasn't enough of the rest of the movie that had that Wes Anderson vibe. And I love Wes Anderson movies, as you know. You don't like Wes Anderson movies that much. You right. might have vaguely liked some of them, but you don't like liking yeah, them. Not really. Um, do you like the Grand Budapest Hotel? I don't all? remember it very oh, okay. well. It's been a long time. Because um, I know you didn't like Darjeeling Limited because it was too no, I did too weird and slow. Um, but Grand Budapest, I think you did enjoy a bit. Um, but then that's, that's Ray Fiennes. So you're really watching Ray Fiennes like yeah, master it's been too acting. But it was, like I said, like it, it wasn't, it didn't have the, like, lightheartedness that, like, sort of pervades different parts of Wes Anderson films that to make it, like, to make me, like, happy with it the whole way through. Um, and, like, I'm, like the, the Life Aquatic is the Wes Anderson film that does the absurd shit on a boat better than this did absurd shit on a boat. And Zoolander, as much as I'm not a huge fan of Zoolander, does absurd shit in the male model industry better than this did absurd shit in the male model industry. They didn't really do much absurdism stuff in the male model industry in this one, but I would have liked a serious male model movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I'm not a huge Zoolander fan because I think it's too goofy. It makes them off to be too stupid. Right? Okay. Um, but like, you know, I, um, and then like, I, I, you, you know, there have been a million... Stranded on Stranded Island. Stranded on an Island movies, yeah. right. Um, but, yeah, so I just think it didn't do enough for me. And it, it was good, and it was it had the, the satire, but it wasn't good enough for me to give it more than, like, three stars. Is that what you're going to sit at? I'm probably going to give it three. I'm going to go 2.5. I was between a 2.5 and a three, but to me I was like, I, I feel like a three is something I would recommend to the right person, and I don't know that I'd recommend this one personally. Yeah, I, I think that the only thing that's giving it a three for me was that the funniness of that grenade scene, because, like... <laughs> that's a whole, whole half a like, star. 25 <laughs> minutes before that, we were watching a lady literally shit into a toilet. Like, you could see the diarrhea coming out into the toilet and through her, like, one-piece mm-hmm. undergarment thing that she was wearing. Yeah. weird-looking... Shapewear. It was gross. Um, yeah. That, the puking and and shitting scenes was so long. Like, I told Peter, we stopped midway through to, like, take a bathroom break, and I told Peter, I was like, if this one's best picture, like, that means that a movie that just has, like, 15 minutes of people throwing up can win best picture. And, like, what does that say about us? (laughs) Yeah, 15 minutes of of people shitting, (coughs) of a boat (coughs) being just wrecked by the waves and also Woody Harrelson and a Russian guy spitting communist and capitalist propaganda over a microphone it was ridiculous I mean talking about it makes you laugh but in the moment it's just like kind of horrifying it was disgusting to be honest Um, yeah that was was whack so but you know what this is probably not a movie we would have watched uh, outside of Absolutely this project, not. and I do like doing this project because it gives us a little bit of variety. Um, yep, and it definitely gave us that. So. Yeah. Um. 
what else are we doing? So next week we're gonna try to do the Fablemans and Women Talking. Women Talking. We're Which, gonna get both of our but final we'll be best pictures out. Done of with best pictures. Yeah. Thanks to Causeway, we uh, rent got a month of Apple TV because we needed to. But the good news was we were worried we weren't going to be able to watch Women Talking specifically um, by the time of the Oscars and. They're all available for rent on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. So money well spent, because now we're going to get to finish up our project. Yep. Um, we have those. And then the last one on our plus five that we definitely will be watching is Empire of Light. Yep. And then Living, it's going to be up to if by the time we, we get to it, it has come out on some streaming service, which I believe I looked it up and it might have been, but I could have confused it with something else. Um if not, we can very easily go see Puss in Boots in the theater or watch Pinocchio on Netflix. Yep. Um, so we'll just change up whatever that plus five yep. is. I think in the future we had kind of, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but we talked about it. We're going to kind of keep this idea of best picture and in the future it might be plus six because we had to watch the first Avatar this time around. Yes. We might not need to do something like that next year. Um but having the best picture list and then just leaving it open and seeing what we have access to um, and yeah. watching a plus six, but not necessarily setting it ahead of time like we did this time. Yeah, and if we can't see Living, we're, I, I'll pick it as a movie at some point later I in the year because like I really want to see it. Even if Bill Nye doesn't win Best Actor for yeah. it, which I'm, I don't know if he will or not. I can't, you know, not a mind reader, but um, I... I Still really want to see it because I, it, the other girl's name is I can't remember what the what the support what the actress's name who's in that movie is, um, but she is in Sex Ed on Netflix. Okay. As I think she's Amy on Sex Ed and she is great, and I really want to see them interact. And uh, yeah, I like to keep up with the best actor, best <laughs> actress, and supporting as best as we can too, um, just because it makes all of it more fun those are like the big awards um and a lot of times there's a lot of nominations in those categories from actors and actresses from the best picture nominees i mean because we had best supporting actress done like within (laughs) two weeks of this project um so the more we have those done the more fun the oscar ceremony is for me so i would like to get to living if we can just because bill nye is up for best actor but if we have to watch something else that's a little bit more accessible for us right now, then we'll do that. We'll still have seen quite a few films by the time the Academy Awards roll around. So, yeah. we will see you next week to finish up that best picture list. Yeah, see ya.